Good morning. How's everybody doing? Doing good? I am Mark Shields. I'm the Campus Life Pastor here at Westerville. And man, I'm really excited about bringing this message this morning. Uh, If you don't have your Bible, uh, I hope you can get one or you have one. If you do have one, you want to open that up to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. And uh, we're going to dive in there in a little bit. But as you all know, uh, it's officially that time of year, right? I mean, we have entered the season. It is full on, full go right now. And I love this time of year. I really, really do. I love just every part of it. It's, we have lots of traditions at my house. Um, one of the traditions that we have, my brother came up with uh, when he was young, where all us siblings, like we have a tree and we open up our gifts uh, just as siblings under a tree uh, before we actually open the gifts under mom and dad's tree. And I had this gift that I got last year that I absolutely love, and I was going to wear this, but my wife said, no, you can't wear that when you're preaching. Uh, so I thought, I gotta, I gotta just show you guys. So yes, strike hard, strike first, Cobra Kai. Uh, love, love that movie, and my brother got this for me, and what I love about my brother is he is like serious, he's a hard worker, but around Christmas time, he just becomes a big kid. And, uh, and he's so giving and thoughtful. And as we dive into the message today, one of the things that I want us to consider is, you know, giving all in every season. Should we, we need to give all in every season, not just this, you know, short time frame that we're in right now, but, but all year long. What would it look like if we could do that? Um, I have uh, uh, some song lyrics that I'm going to read to you. I will I'll not sing them to you. Uh, but these song lyrics had a big impact on me when I was younger, and I'm hoping they'll have an impact on you. But before I read you some of those song lyrics, would you join me in a word of prayer? Uh, God, you are amazing, and you are mighty. Lord Jesus, you gave all. Uh, You gave all every single day. You showed us the model, the way. And so as we dive into your word today, I pray that you would help our hearts be willing to give all and give more each and every day. Teach us from your word. Lead us. We want your presence here more than anything. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So the song lyrics that hit me when I was young go like this. He heard the preacher say... A single dime can feed a hungry boy or girl with nothing to eat. So he pulled a dollar from the pocket of his jeans, and he asked his mama, how many would this feed? She just smiled when she told him 10, and then he reached back in again. And he said, what if I give all I have? What would that gift do? My child, a gift like that would change the world. It could feed a multitude. Uh, I just love, I love the lyrics from that song. And what if we really could give all? (laughs) Wouldn't it be awesome? What if we could submit our lives each and every day? Could you imagine what would be possible? Is it even possible? Well, Jesus, he does that. He he does it every single day. He gives all. He gives all he's got. And uh, I think If we're thinking today, we can give more than we're currently giving. I think we can give all. So one of the things that 
I just wanted to uh, give you a little bit of context before we dive into the scripture because everything about this moment in scripture is important. Every detail has significance. The places, the things are really, really important. And Jesus knew it and he meant everything to weigh on the disciples so that they would never forget this moment. And he also meant it to be a part of us. And so my desire is to us to step into this moment in scripture today. It's not a pleasant scripture. It's a hard moment, but I think it's really significant and we need to step in. And so um, if we're going to do to uh, Matthew 26 verses 36 through 39, and I'll just give you a little bit of context. So Jesus uh, is with the disciples and he is getting ready to go to the cross He knows what he has to do, and he's trying to get the disciples ready. And so they have just shared the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, they shared the the bread, which would be the body of Christ, right? And then they shared the wine. And he said, this wine is the representative of my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so they're all together. They're with their King Jesus. And this is different than they've ever experienced before. It's a somber moment, and they've never seen Jesus act like this. They know he's, he's really, really serious, and uh, he even stops what he's doing, and he serves them and washes their feet. And all these things are blowing their minds, and they don't completely understand what it all means at the time. And so they're, they're in this moment, and then they leave the Last Supper, and they start to walk to the Mount of Olives. And at the base of the Mount of Olives, there is a garden. It's a garden called Gethsemane. You've probably heard that before. Well, Gethsemane means oil press. And in the garden, um, where they go, there is significance to everything about it. Because it's an oil press. There would have been olives there. There would have been certain smells there. There probably would have been torches burning. It was at evening. And so um, when they get to this garden and they're getting ready, all of a sudden Jesus is very, very serious. And he asks his boys, he asks his, his three guys, he said, hey guys, I need you. I need you like I've never needed you before. I need you right now to go to the Lord on my behalf. And that's where we step into this scripture, okay? Matthew 26, 36 says, Jesus went to them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The first impression that I want to have on us today, the first press is giving the Lord our yes always involves sacrifice. Giving the Lord our yes always involves sacrifice. You see, Jesus knew what he was about to do. He was in the garden. He needed his guys like he'd never needed them before. And he, he knew that he was about to drink the cup. All throughout scripture, the cup represents wrath. 
the wrath of God, the wrath of God towards sin. God hates sin. He can't be around sin. He is perfect and he's holy. And the weight of sin is about to be pushed on to Jesus in this moment. And so he's feeling that, but he's also feeling the weight of his flesh. He knows that he's going to have to go to the cross. He's going to feel the weight of that and the, and the cup of wrath. I don't know if you remember in Scripture in Genesis, and then you've probably heard of Nehemiah, the cupbearer, right? A cupbearer to a king was a guy who was designated to drink the drink before the king. And the reason why he would do that was because if he drank the cup before the king and everybody saw that he, would, he was going to die or he died or he got sick, they knew that they couldn't give it to the king. They wanted to save the king because the king's life was always in danger from enemies. And so the cupbearer would drink the cup to save the king. Right here in this moment, we have the king of the universe, and he's drinking the cup to save the people. It's, it's, it's a really, really somber moment. Jesus, in this moment, is praying. He's on his knees praying. This is Jesus, fully God and fully man, praying to the Father. Do you know what that means? That means you and I have to pray. If Jesus needs to pray, you and I need to pray. If we don't pray... If we don't get on our knees before the Lord, we are not going to be able to be obedient. These are really, really important moments. Um, when I was thinking about this message, and I was just thinking about a moment where I saw somebody give their yes, even when it was really, really hard. Uh, we went on a missions trip. A lot of you had heard. I think Ed had mentioned it uh, a couple weeks ago. We went to Argentina, Buenos Aires. And um, what we experienced there was a lot of people that do not know Jesus, right? Uh, and there is a lot of poverty in the area. And we got to go visit an orphanage there. And while we were at the orphanage, um, I, the only way I can describe this to you is that just imagine an area that's really poverty stricken, that's destitute. People are living in, you know, sheet metal shacks outside, and then it's not very safe in the area. But then there's this area where there's like a line and a guardhouse and a rope and you pull up and you have to get permission to come in and the guard removes the rope and he lets you come in. And the only way I can describe it is it's, it's a place of hope in the midst of chaos. This, this orphanage, a place of hope in the midst of chaos. And we got to meet these people who just give and give and give of their lives each and every day for these orphans that have been through the worst of the worst. Mom and dad have been killed. Mom and dad have um, been a part of abuse, and they have abused them, and the authorities have taken them from mom and dad. And so the roughest of the rough is, is what we're witnessing, and these people are just giving their lives. And then we meet this girl named Luna. Luna was 13 years old when she got to Hogar El Alba. Hogar means home um, Al Alba is of the dawn, and so it's like a new hope in Hogar El Alba. And Luna is there, and what she says, I, 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 couldn't, I, I could go on forever about what she said, but we got to hear her testimony, and she said, th this was so 
amazing. She said that when I got here, I was so scared to even look people in the eye for weeks. I trusted nobody. Nothing in me wanted to be where I was. I wasn't comfortable. I didn't know anybody, but these people just kept loving me. She said they kept loving me, and they showed me the Word of God, and she knew how to read, and so she started to read the Word of God on her own, and she came because of the love of these people to know Jesus. And she gave her life to Jesus. And this is what she says to me. She says, she says, Jesus, he changed literally everything. He made me brand new from the inside out. He healed my wounds inside and he made me new. And this girl is telling her testimony with hope and joy. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this was so amazing. And while she's telling her, I was like, is there any scripture that just stands out to you? Like, what, what has God showed you? And this was when I was just absolutely floored. She said, Psalm 27, verse 10. She said, even though my father and mother may leave me, the Lord will take me. And I was just floored. This girl had this faith. She said her yes. Every person that I met in that orphanage said their yes. And I think for us, we have to be willing to give our yes. The hardest things that we'll go through are often the things that Jesus has planned for our good. And we have to give him our yes. He set the example. We need to follow it. The second verses that I want you to go through, verses 40 through 42, it says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the second press that I want to have on us today is when the Lord calls we'll want to sleep. When the Lord calls, we in our flesh will want to sleep. See, his fleshly desires are being poured out in this moment, right? He, he knows that he has to give up what he wants and he's being pressed. He, he's feeling the weight of everything that he's going through and he is praying again. He's praying again, Lord, help me. Lord, I, I feel the weight of this moment. You see, one of the significant things about this moment is, is he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the olive press. And there was a, an actual olive press in the area, so the smells and everything that was a part of that, they were experiencing, the disciples are experiencing, and they have this huge rock that would grind the, the olives and crush the outside, and then they would take this paste and the leftover crushed olives, and they would put it in a basket, and then they would put it in an olive press. And guess how many times they would press the olives? Three times. And Jesus is being pressed in this moment three times. And each time they would press, the first press, they didn't have to press super hard, right? And that was the virgin olive oil. That was the best of the best. That went into perfumes and things like that. The second press, a little bit harder, was for food, and the olive oil would be used for those kind of things. And then the last press had to be the hardest, and they would use that for lighting uh, candles and oil, and even in the temple, they would use that oil. And so this, this moment right here, Jesus is feeling the pressure, and the spirit is willing, but the flesh is so, so weak. And Jesus is wanting, the disciples, 
guess what? Again, they're, they're falling asleep. His boys, the ones that he needs to go, the ones he needs the most in this time, he's starting to feel the weight of this. And when he goes to his guys, they are asleep. And you and I, every time, like I said, we are going to feel the weight of when the Holy Spirit works and convicts, we're going to feel this weight. And there's going to be the weight of the flesh, right? And what we want. And then there's going to be the weight of the Spirit and what the Spirit wants. And they are always in contention, right? And the bigger thing that the Spirit asks you to do, the harder it is in your flesh to be able to do it. But we have to fight it. And so um, Jesus is feeling the weight. And right now, I'm going to let us feel a little bit of the weight. Um, And I'm just going to share a couple things where we're caught in this balance, the everyday weight. So here it is. Should we sleep in? And or be at Sunday morning events, Sunday morning church practices, you know, things like that versus making a priority of showing our families and showing the Lord what's most important at church. We are caught between these two weights each and every week. And I think we feel the weight of the coaches more than we feel the weight of being obedient to the Lord. And, and those, are, those are the everyday life things. Should we be quiet? at work, right, and just keep our faith to ourselves, you know, feel that, or do we want to pray for our meals in front of our coworkers and tell them about our faith? I bet everybody in here has felt that at some point in time, and the weight is real, and it's hard, and generally, the flesh wins out, doesn't it, if we're being honest? We have to make sure our kids do their chores and their homework and get a good education versus making sure that we pray together as a family and share our hopes and dreams together in Christ. Which of those are the priorities in your day, right? If we're being honest, a lot of times as parents, you know, the priorities, we feel the weight of that education. We feel the weight of getting them right more, way more than we feel the weight of teaching them about Jesus and showing them who we are in Christ. And then one of the things, uh, this last one, is should we be worried about our families and what others might think versus honoring the Lord and giving him our life or being obedient to him in baptism? These are the weights I think we feel every day. What will people think, you know? And, and so we, we sit in the balance, and there's, um, I could go on and on and on with this list, but the weight of our flesh versus the weight of the spirit are always there, and most of the time, most of the time, the enemy's just like, shh, shh, stay asleep. It's okay. It's not a big deal. These, these, just, these are just little things, right? And and honestly, these things end up being big things. Um, just recently, I got the, I, I had a, an opportunity to feel, uh, I felt the way I almost missed a chance to be obedient to the Lord. Um, my nephew um, had been um, living with us for a little while. He had been going through some really hard times, and it didn't go super well while he was with us, and, uh, and he had to leave. Um, but he started doing a little bit better. I, I was a little hurt because the, the last time that me and him talked, it did not go well. We got into a little 
tiff, and, and so I was a little hesitant, uh, uh, but he said, Uncle Mark, I'm doing a little bit better. Um, I would like to start mowing with you on Fridays. Uh, I mow grass on Fridays just for a little bit of extra money, and I'm going to be honest with you, in this moment, I was like, oh, I mean, I've got this whole thing down. Like, I got all these properties that I take care of. If I train him, he's, I'm going to have to go over everything that he messes up. He'll probably break my equipment, and I'm going to have to pay him so I won't make as much. And so, honestly, my flesh was like, oh, no. And I told Colleen, I was like, oh, I don't really, my wife, Colleen, I was like, I don't really want to. And she's like, um, I, I think you should. And I was like, oh, Okay, uh, you know what? I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray. And so I pray to the Lord. And then I'm like, Lord, wh- wh- what should I do? I don't want to give him things that he's going to use for bad things. And I, and I don't know. And the Lord made it really, really clear. You need to do it. And, uh, and so I got to spend time with my nephew uh, for weeks um, five hours each week. I got to hang out with them, and I got to mow, and, and uh, we got to pray, and I talked with them about Jesus, and, uh, and it was some really, really sweet time. There was this one time where we were, uh, we were at this new property that we had, ju- that we had just picked up, and he's, he's in the backyard, and I see him mowing, and he's going like this on the mower, and he's like shifting, and, then, and I, afterwards, I say, Chase, you know, what's, what's going on? He goes, Uncle Mark, Oh my gosh, it smells horrible back there. And I'm thinking, okay, it's it's gotta be, you know, the it, it's gotta be the 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 dog stuff, you know, or something like that. I, I really didn't give it much thought at the time, but I just laughed because he looked like he was about ready to, to, to get sick. And uh, and it was just some really, really sweet time together. Um but I, I love that time. But what you all may not know is that time was, was super short. And I had no idea how significant that time would be. Because um, just a few weeks ago now, uh, my nephew was killed in a car accident. And I got to spend time with him each and every week. And in my flesh, I did not want to do it. <laughs> but because of the Spirit... And because of prayer, I'm telling you what, I was praying for my nephew every day. We were praying for my nephew. And I'm telling you what, if I hadn't prayed, I would not have had the guts to be obedient. I would not have done it. And I got to spend some really, really sweet time with my nephew. And so, guys, I'm really afraid that we operate most of the time asleep. Just like the disciples, I think that most of our days, we fall asleep. I don't want to be a church like that. I want to be a church of men and women who are awake. I want our kids to see men and women who are awake and then are wringing themselves out for the name of Jesus. I really, really want to see that. And I believe those people are here. But I believe we're not living up to our potential, me included. Um, Matthew 26, verses 43 says, And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So they were, so leaving them again, he went away and he prayed a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and he said, Sleep and take your rest later, 
See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Jesus says, the third impression I want us to have today is wake up. The hour has come. We have got to wake up each and every day. How do you wake up each and every day? You start every day by praying. Just like Jesus, you recalibrate your heart, you recalibrate your mind every morning, and the first thing you do before your feet hit the floor is you pray. You pray, and you ask Jesus to help you, to help you. The disciples missed it. They failed him. Think about that. In the garden, when he needed them the most, they failed him. All those sights and sound, they're significant. They're really significant. Um, there was a guy um, that I have to tell you about, and this guy, he was awake. <laughs> he didn't know it, but he was awake. His name was Byron, and when my nephew was in the accident, he was the first guy on the scene. He had just been behind, and he, had, he saw uh, the cars smashed together, and he and his wife and his mother-in-law, who are two nurses, were the first ones on the scene, and they were nervous. They saw smoke. They heard the horns and the sirens, but Byron said he didn't know what to do, but he knew he had to do something, and he, his, his, the two people in the car went to the other two cars, and he went to my nephew's car. And he said, he and another guy pried the door open and he felt and there was a faint pulse. And with the smoke and everything, he knew if we didn't get him out that he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't make it. And so they got him out and they started CPR immediately. And Byron, he prayed. He prayed over my nephew while he was doing CPR. He said, Lord, receive him into the kingdom. He knew that it didn't look good. And he said, Lord, take him, take him. And I'm telling you what, hearing that story, hearing from Byron, he said he was scared to death. He didn't know what to do. He, he was nervous. He was afraid. But he said, I have to do it. And he went and he did it. And as, as, as his uncle and his mom and his uh, Colleen just everybody, when we got to hear that the Lord sent one of his own into the last moments of his life to be with my nephew. See, my, my wife always says this, the same thing, and I've heard her say it to many, many people. And she, every time somebody says, uh, how do I know my, my son's not too far gone? How do I know my kids aren't too far gone? My, my, my wife always says, the Lord pursues you until, his, until your last breath. He doesn't give up. And when we got to witness this guy who just pursued until his last breath, Jesus was obedient. His obedience ended up being the light of the world. You know how I told you that that last press, that, that, that final press was the press that made the oil for the lamps? Jesus was obedient to the final press. When he was being pressed in the garden, when he was on his knees, when he was in that garden, it said that he was so vexed. The weight of the sin was sitting on him so much that his, his sweat was mixed with blood. 
He knew what he was going to have to do, but he said again, not my will, but your will be done. And he did it. Every single day, we have to do it. John 8, 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because Jesus was obedient to the first press. He would be the last press. When he was obedient to the last press, he would be the light that would light the rest, the rest of the world. So I just want to close with this. Um, so, you know, a few weeks after the, the accident, or the week after the accident, after the funeral, I had to go back to mowing. And uh, I had been with my nephew mowing for the last couple of weeks. So that time that was without him was, was a little bit hard, you know. And uh, we got, I got to that property and the one that he was, he was doing this while he was mowing, and he was like, oh, you know, it smells so horrible. And I, I hadn't mowed it. He was the only one that had mowed it because it was a new property. And I get in the backyard, and I start mowing. And I'm just crushing these seed pods. And the, as, as the mower is just chopping up these seed pods, the, the smell of everything is just welling up. And I smell that smell. It just, it just made me happy because I just remembered him, you know, go, going like this and be like, Uncle Mark, it's so disgusting, you know. And, but it, but it, now it reminds me, it reminds me that time is short. And when I smell that smell in that backyard, I think I got to be obedient today. I don't know what the Lord has to do to you to remind you of how important your life is to him and how you need to be obedient to him first and foremost in all things. But I pray whatever it is, he does it because it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Could you imagine being the disciples in that last moment, okay? The weight of it when they were going, when they were having the last supper, the weight of it when they were in the garden, when they were falling asleep, they, they had no idea, But after it all happened, after Jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later and defeated sin and death forever, and their Savior that they lived with was gone, the next time they were in, the, the next time they were together sharing that meal, and they were drinking the bread, or drinking the wine and sharing the bread, and Jesus wasn't there, they knew exactly what they needed to do. They remembered the why every single time. We have to be obedient. And then when they would go and they would pray in the garden, remember? They would go and they would pray in the garden often. How do you think they felt the next time they were in that garden of Gethsemane and they were around those olives and they were in that moment and they were crushed and they, were, they remembered how they failed. But that would spur these guys on to be the most obedient servants of Jesus ever that would change the world. Are you the most obedient servant ever? Could you be the one that changes the world? Could you be the one that is obedient every single day in your flesh? No way. Never. Apart from Christ? No way. Never. But in him, on your knees every single day with his power and through the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. You could be a difference maker 
and Westerville needs difference makers. There's tons of people here who don't know Jesus. Maybe some in this room. And we are the light until that day. We are the light until he returns. He's put his Holy Spirit in us. We have to be obedient. We have to be obedient. I'm gonna close with this. The last lyrics of that song that I talked about at the beginning go like this. Long ago, a father and a son saw their children lost in sin. Can you see the tears in father's eyes when Jesus says to him, what if I give all I have? What would that gift do? My son, a gift like that would change the world. It would free the multitudes. The only freedom you will ever find is in Christ. Are you in chains? Jesus is the answer. There is no other. The rest are fakes. Jesus is the real thing. And he wants you. I hope you'll give him your life. Would you guys join me in a word of prayer? Jesus, when I think of, when I think of your word, Father, when I think of what you did on the cross, I think of Isaiah 53, 5, and, and these words just carry so much weight in moments where it says, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Lord, if there's anybody in this room who doesn't know you, they can do just what it says in your word. In Romans 10, verse 9, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I want you Lord of my life. I am sorry for my sin. I am so thankful that you paid the price on the cross. All you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you just say out loud, Lord, I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. It says you'll be saved. God, you're so good. I pray if there's anybody here that maybe prayed that prayer for the first time or hasn't done it, I pray that you would pray that prayer. I pray that you would go to Next Steps in the back of the room and tell the Next Steps people, I, I prayed that prayer. I need to know my next step. What do I do? And for less of us who have known you for a long time, Lord, help us remember to pray. Pray like you. If you needed to pray, surely we need to pray. God, you, you use everything for your good. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.